Hello and welcome to the Govern This podcast. This is a political podcast for non-political people where we ask the simple and ignorant questions about our country and government and get them answered. In this episode, I get to talk with Victoria City Councillor Jeremy Loveday. And we talk about the ins and outs of the municipal government and what it's like to have a no job description type of job. We also cover such things as what the city is responsible for compared to the provincial and federal government, how our municipalities work together or have a hard time doing so at some times, how the public can and should attend bi-weekly council meetings if they have a concern or a question, our current housing crisis here in Victoria, and also why we should take major donations out of politics and out of campaigning. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was super enlightening for me. I had no idea how the city worked and all that they're responsible for. Uh, so without further ado, here's the episode with Jeremy Loveday. anything yet. Uh, welcome Jeremy Loveday to the Govern This Podcast. You are a city councillor with Victoria. Yes I am. Thanks <laughs> for having me on here today. Great. Um, so I would like to just talk first about the city council and how it's structured and what you guys do, the elections, all that stuff because I don't know anything about that. Perfect. Well uh, maybe I'll give a quick overview Sounds and good. then if uh, I can answer any questions you have. So uh City council and municipal governments make most of the decisions that impact your life on an everyday basis. So whether that's roads or sewers, your property tax, arts funding, uh, you know, how about how we get through the city? So transportation, whether that's cycling, whether that's um, making sure that we have a good transit system, all of that falls under the municipal government in one way or another. Um, how it works is you have elections every four years and you elect uh, city councillors and a mayor in the city of Victoria. We have eight councillors and one mayor and we meet uh, weekly and we make decisions. And so we're basically the board of directors for the city in that way. And we make policy and then the city staff implement the policy that we create. Okay. So you guys do a lot more than I thought. <laughs> One thing I'm learning is that the separation between the federal, provincial, and municipal. I always call it civic, but I guess it's municipal is more the... Either, either way. Yeah. Civic. Okay. Um, you know, for example, there are unincorporated uh, entities that are that would be municipalities, but they're not cities, they're not villages, they're not towns, oh, but, okay. but they would still participate in civic elections. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so is it... I'm guessing that the size of the municipality determines how many city councillors. Exactly. Right. Okay. So eight. I was thinking that there would probably be more because there's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to do. Uh, you know, we're in a unique situation since we are uh, within, we're the heart of the, the capital regional district. So in the city of Victoria, we deal with all the downtown issues. We deal with being a capital city. We be, deal with being a tourism destination. Um, whereas Saanich actually has less people or more people than we do. Mm -hmm. uh, but they don't deal with a lot of those same inner city issues that the city of Victoria does. Right. Yeah. It's kind of funny where we are because 
it's kind of like Vancouver or LA where it's like Victoria is actually not that big, but everyone pictures Victoria as all the surrounding municipalities as well. Right. Like, like I'm in a Squimalt, but it just feels like Victoria. Like I don't tell people when I'm talking to them. I drove outside of here. <laughs> I drove here and trying to find your house. I drove in three different municipalities. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so crossed the bridge into Saanich, came back into Esquimalt. So how does that work when you guys are trying to work together? Cause everything's so tight, like the speed limit on Craig flower, which is a road near me. It changes three times because <laughs> yeah, because we do not have a regional transportation authority. Um, we need one. Okay. And actually the city of Victoria and other municipalities support the idea of having a, a transportation uh, function at the CRD table, at our regional district table. But okay. we've actually had pushback from some of the other municipalities uh, who don't, don't think the CRD is the way to go. And so in that way, uh, unless we can find a different way to cooperate, we're going to keep having three different uh, speed limits on Craig flower road. Yeah. And we're going to keep having bike lanes that end at a municipal line. <laughs> and, uh, we're not going to be able to solve our transportation issues that include, you know, the need for rapid transit from the wet, from the West shore. Uh, cause really you need collaboration. You need partnerships right. to be able to do that. Oh, so that's very complicated. Oh, okay. Before, before we get into all that stuff, um, <laughs> So you said it's every four years. So that's just like the others. Uh, how does, okay. First of all, do you guys work full-time part-time? We get paid part-time and work more than full-time at, at, oh, at the okay. city of Victoria. I like, I we're paid at two thirds of full-time, um, okay. is what sort of how it currently breaks down. Uh, I work I definitely work more than 40 hours every week and, right. you know, up to 80, I'd say, and usually somewhere in between there. And, uh, you know, that's my days. What do they look like? I, I have, uh, I get hundreds of emails every day. So I got to answer emails. I, I have meetings both with, uh, constituents who have, uh, you know, issues they want to talk about our ideas, meeting with developers when they have proposals coming forward, meeting with the neighbors around the developments that are proposed. Um, and then there's all this work you have to do to move issues forward. I'm an activist. I'm not trying to sit back and wait for things to come to council. I'm trying right. to shape the city and make it you know, more affordable and sustainable and vibrant. And so that means it's a lot more work. That means organizing in the community, finding those ideas, and then working to build the support for those ideas and then bringing them to council. So all of that is sort of a community activist role, which I think, uh, I mean, I feel that I need to do to be able to move the city forward. And so that takes a lot of energy and time. And, um, overall you look at that and then you look at reading all the agendas, which are over a thousand pages often for a weekly meeting. And then you, you think <laughs> of Thursdays we're in yesterday, we were in meetings from 9am. We had a break mid afternoon and then we're back at six 30 and those, that evening meeting can often go till midnight or one in the morning. So there's a lot to be done and, uh, it's a big commitment. And I think that's huge. That shifted from 30 years ago, for example, or 20 years ago when really it was a part-time job. It was a lot of times it was people who were retired and it was kind of a hobby, like a guiding more of a board position that you okay. take on at a nonprofit, except for it's the city. Um, but we're, we're facing big issues in it. And so it's a big commitment. 
So is the city councilor kind of like the equal to an MLA? Like I just kind of learned about those. So like the MLA is for the province. We make way they... less money and have no administrative support. Oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so, uh, another difference is that we're not representing one specific area. So for example, I am not elected by one neighborhood. Right. So I'm elected by the whole city and then... I'm appointed to a neighborhood. So whereas M- oh, okay. where, so, so whereas MLAs represent their district, um, another big difference is we don't have political parties. So we're all independent. So even if we are the, part of the same political party at the provincial level, um, we probably won't vote together on most things or on all things, at least um, uh, at, at our council table. Right. So that was a question I was going to have too. Yeah. About the political parties. So, cause one thing I'm, realizing we'll get into later about the election coming up, but I want to do an educated vote this year. Cause yeah, I, I always just call a friend because <laughs> I don't know anything. Those friends are important. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the more I'm realizing or learning, the more I'm realizing that it's really hard because there's the party and there's the person and well, how much weight do they have? Are they going to have within it all? But for the city council, it's more of like a popularity thing. Like, do I like you? Do I like how you do things? Do I think you're going to go in the direction that I want you to? Totally. And it's not as much on the political side, I guess. It, yeah. So, you know, you, I know, like, I know that there's people who like, I'm, I'm a progressive guy. I'm a left, you know, a leftist guy. And, but I know there's people who vote for me who also vote for the most right wing counselor. Okay. Um, and it's because they're making that choice because they say we we want both those perspectives at the table. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, I wouldn't maybe I wouldn't want to elect a whole socialist city council, and maybe I wouldn't want a whole you know more right wing city council. But having both those views at the table makes sure that we'll have those views on every decision, and we're going to make ultimately better decisions for our community. So it really is about the individual. Mm-hmm. And you know, you mentioned the friend uh, who who tells you who to vote yeah. for those people are who you need to identify to win elections. And that's really how uh, you win a municipal election in a lot of ways is you find who are those opinion uh, setters the influencers, who are those influencers yeah. and sitting down with those people and, and really hearing what are the issues and the ideas that are important and then uh, bring them to life. And so it also means that people who are elected to city council, there's often this incumbent, advantage. Uh, there, you know, there's people on my council who've been there since the year after I was born and, (laughs) and they could get elected to the end of time because they have the name recognition. I mean, ultimately every time someone emails me and they're like, Hey, the parking spot outside my house needs this work or whatever. I send that off. I get that problem fixed for them. And they'll probably vote for me next time because I helped them out. I'm a real human who actually helped them. Right. Right. Whether or not they agree with me on every issue, I, I, I'm accessible and I'm, I'm there. And that's the same for most city councillors. And I think that plays into this incumbent advantage. Well, that's something I'm realizing that I didn't know that the government was so accessible. <laughs> like, I, like MLAs, you can go talk to them. I didn't know that. Like, and, yeah. and you, what you're, it sounds like a large part of what you do is talking to people and listening and letting them know that you'll look into it and do your best to figure it out. And then trying to find the time to actually do that part. 
seems like a, a struggle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's endless. Yeah. You could really do, uh, you could work all the time and there would never be an end to what you can do because the city always needs to be made better. So, you, you know, you need to find those boundaries for yourself. And one of the cool things about having a council that is diverse in opinion and in how long they've been there is that each person does the job of city councilor totally differently. Right. If I look at how, you know, Councillor Thornton Joe or Councillor Young or Councillor Coleman, how they do their job, it doesn't look like my day. Their day, if you ask them the same question, what their day looked like they would tell you something totally different. Maybe it's serving on the board of a whole bunch of charities. Maybe it's making sure I'm at every community cultural event. Um, whereas my role is, is more of a community organizing role and that's sort of how I see it. So how does, so if it can be so different, how is like a job description? There's, there's no job description description. and there's no training. That's the, what? we had a couple days of workshops and it was mostly, it was how not to get the city sued, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, you learn on the fly and, uh, I, I think it's a big gap, you know, well, it, you think so. It's a yeah. big responsibility where it's a, you know, $250 million budget and you're all of a sudden managing bridge projects and sewage projects and, uh, you know, billion dollar projects are, and so there's no training there. And so that's why the staff are so important. And I, so I actually, throughout this council term, I've been making notes and also uh, highlighting things for our city manager saying, this was what we missed in the training. This is what we missed in the workshop. Like I would have really valued this help. Um, yeah. That. And so we'll do it next time. And that's the thing is. That just blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> Cause like every job is there's like, this is what we're expecting of you. This is what we want you to do. Get done. Wow. Okay. You know, there's a couple, <laughs> we, we had a couple of days of workshops and it was like, okay, here's what the parks department does. Here's what the, uh, you know, here's what our planning people do. Here's what the engineers do. Um, you know, and I, for example, coming into the Johnson street bridge project, which has been a total mess. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, I, I had been paying attention, but most of it was in camera because it's all lawsuits and mm -hmm. contracts and things I can't talk about. Um, so I had to, when I got elected, I had to be like, okay, I need to see, get me those binders full of all those documents because I need to know wh what happened in the last eight years that led to these mistakes being made. Uh, so I don't make them again. And that's, and, and so I can make educated decisions moving forward. So there was, I read just voraciously when I was elected, just, well, yeah, it seems like you had to, you had to create your own job description in a sense. Like you had to be like, okay, now I can, I'm here. I can do this. What do I want to do? What needs to be done? So you had to figure out, yeah. I mean, other than the stuff that's going to come up at your meetings and exactly. So the only thing that really is in the job description is, okay, here's your meetings that you have to be at. Um, I, you know, so I've got my Thursday council meetings and then we're appointed to different bodies. So I'm on Vic West neighborhood association. I was on the youth council and the, you know, all okay. of these different appointments. So I have to go there. Okay. So that gives some structure to it then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But what I do there, there's no job description for right. that either. So me as, as council liaison to the Vic West and North park neighborhoods, you know, I had to go and ask the neighborhood, right. What do you want me to do for you? 
um, which is great. It's a great discussion to have, but there's no real job description of how you do that either. Really, your only role is to show up to meetings and uh, everything else you do outside of that is is structured by your own beliefs and your own belief of what a city councillor or what a leader in our community should do. So you enjoying it? I love it most of the time. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's challenging. It's rewarding. Uh, we're making good progress. Yeah. You know, I think when I look at my, my flyer of what I said I'd do when I got elected, I've either done all of them or they're underway. And that feels totally rewarding because I... This happen a lot. No, it doesn't. <laughs> and I knocked on every door in the city in the election and said, "Hey, I'm going to do these things," yeah. uh, and we're doing them. So that you know that feels really good, and yeah. I get to meet really amazing people all the time, and I get to hear these ideas and uh, hear people's concerns and help fix them. I mean, it's in that way, it's a tremendous honor, and uh, I try not to let any of the the BS get me down, and that yeah. that's sort of that's another part of it. Wow. Okay. That's very different than I thought it was going to be. Why, structure. Curious to hear your, what were, what I, did you think? I had no idea. I, 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 well, I guess I thought there was more structure to it. Like I would, well, I was wondering how things were split up, like tasks and stuff like that between. Um, so I didn't know that they were, you had your neighborhood and I, I thought there was more structure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, like in at the provincial level, you get a, a file, right? So maybe okay. you're either the agricultural minister, or your agricultural critic, mm-hmm. um, those things. Uh, the city actually used to have files like that where you were, okay, I'm the counselor in charge of immigration issues. Okay. You know, whatever, you know, uh, we don't have that. And so a lot of it is just driven by passion. And so in that way, it's very valuable to make sure you have a council with different views different passions. Uh, so you can make sure you're filling all those roles. If mm-hmm. every single person was only interested in food security, you might be a huge, you might have huge gaps and huge weaknesses on your council. So, you know, for having myself and counselor Isaac, who are really passionate about food security, we can push those issues forward and make sure we're getting action on, you know, building more community gardens and support for people who are growing food within the city. But if everyone was doing that, uh, we wouldn't have the right balance. Well, it sounds like a great system if, if you, w- the right people are in there, right? Because then you have the freedom to just go after things, right? And yeah. and if you're listening to all the consti- constituents, um, then a lot of change can happen, right? But if you if we elect the wrong people, then shoots in the foot. Yeah, and we need the political will. We need to have a backbone. That's mm. that's like. When you're pushing an issue forward and you know, you get flack, right? So you have to be able to take it and say, well, I, I know that we, I know that affordable housing, for example, needs to be a priority. We have a housing crisis. We need bold action and building that new affordable housing complex might piss off some of those neighbors, Yeah, but I'm sorry, it's better for the city. And so those are the tough decisions that you have to make. And that's why I think electing people who are actually going to stand up and know what it, know what it takes to make those hard decisions and to push, you know, those issues forward, uh, is, is also really important. Yeah. I think that it's nice to hear you talk about the affordable housing. Cause I mean, right now, what, what's the percentage, like point something for rentals or whatever, 0.5% like, vacancy rate. Like <laughs> that's scary. 
it's it's totally scary and uh you know i'm i'm the only renter yeah <laughs> elected oh okay <laughs> you know uh, uh i so i think i i bring a really interesting viewpoint in that sure. way i you know i'm i'm the youngest as well and so there's a certain experience that many of our residents uh, are facing uh that uh, i make sure that i that experience is heard very loud and very right. clearly and I, I i think that's my role in a sense yeah for sure because if like it seems the way victoria or the area um if there isn't affordable housing it's just getting more elite and there's no way that the people who have the jobs that are there for these elite, to, yeah. to, you know, to make some class <laughs> distinctions, whatever. Um, like, where do they live? Nothing wrong about where? talking about classism. <laughs> it exists. Yeah. Yeah. I guess <laughs> you're fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, we looking at downtown right now, there are uh, cranes in the sky. There mm -hmm. are lots of them. Yeah. Uh, my question right now, I, like I, I love the fact that we have hundreds of rental units coming online downtown. I I'm okay with some new condos coming online downtown, but right now we have all these cranes and most of them are not building housing that will, you or I will be, yeah. be able to afford. And, and that's the same as, you know, I hear the same thing from seniors who are, you know, getting costed out of the neighborhoods they've been in forever. I hear that from university students who want to be able to stay in the city and they say, this is where I love, this is where I want to contribute, but how do I do it? How do I afford it? And so right now, my biggest concern is making sure that we have the levers available to us to, to make sure that those cranes that are going up in the future are going to deliver housing that residents of Victoria can actually afford. And, uh, I think we, we'll, we can do it. It's definitely, there are tools available to us, but we'll need the political will. And that's why I think having that community organizing piece is so key. Mm -hmm. Affordable housing, it's the number one issue for uh, tourism, Victoria. It's the number one issue for the Chamber of Commerce. It's the number one issue for renters, people who want to buy homes. And now it's just saying, okay, everyone says this is what we've got to work on. Let's actually do it. And let's do something bold that's never been done in the in the city before. Well, it would have to be definitely very bold because, I mean, with the money, right? You know, the people who have who can't afford those condos, they're like, build those, we'll come pay. It's like, well, who's, <laughs> you know, developers yeah. going to be like, well, yeah, I'm going to build that, right? So it would have to be the city putting something in place. Yeah, and the, the city has the power to zone. That's mm. that's one of our key authorities. Um and so we can say what can go anywhere, what can be built. And so we could say, yeah, you can build 20 stories there, but you need to only if you have a housing agreement that says this will be rental and perpetuity and, you know, 10% of the units will be below market rates or will be non-market housing. Uh, you know, you, we can do that. And it's just a matter of, uh, the political will and in standing up to some of the vested economic interests that, right. that uh, have always had a big voice at the table. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, and downtown's beautiful. So it's, it's, Oh, it's when I first moved here, I was pretty shocked to find that. 
I, I was with my friend and we were like, well, let's, I was like, let's go to, let's, let's go to a restaurant on the water. And he's like, oh, he's trying to think of one. And I was so surprised that there's like, what, spinnakers and swans, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> there's, like there's a couple of cafes, but there's so, so minimal. Yeah, there's. Well, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> kind of in a concrete <laughs> water. <laughs> yes. In a dam. City owned. <laughs> City owns that building. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. But I was so surprised that all of the, like all of the, almost all the waterfront is private or just a beach, right? Yeah, and in some ways that's due to uh, really bold and genius city planning saying, okay, we're not going to allow commercial development on uh, on the beaches, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so you look at all the way around the harbor, all around Ogden Point into the, you know, a lot of that's been protected with a path at least right. um, or access to the beach. And that was 100 years ago that a mm-hmm. city decision was made. And, you know, you, you go to some cities and some countries around the world and you, you know, you're at the beach, but you can't get there because yeah. it's all privately owned. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm thankful for, for that decision a hundred years ago that really shaped what our city looks and feels like now, uh, with more of a democratic waterfront and, you know, looking at ship point, which is right by the causeway there, beautiful spot. We have, there's two of our the sort of the jewels in our harbor are currently parking lots. And so there's a lot more that can be done to yeah. uh so I think, you know, imagine a restaurant right down there uh would do very well. And yeah. if you have a restaurant there that can help pay for the park upgrade and the the fa- you know, get a That's world a idea. world-class uh festival site there, mm-hmm. uh, which is paid for by the, you know, allowing a, a restaurant to go there, I I think that makes a lot of sense. That's very smart. <laughs> so that's the <laughs> we were just talking about that next uh yesterday and so the next steps is to do a plan for ship point huh it's exciting that is exciting and, and it's i've been here in victoria i think seven years eight years and it's just transforming in that small amount of time it's crazy um so with you being elected with there only being eight and some people have been there a long time it's pretty kind of monumental that you got in. It's hard to break through. Yeah. It's, uh, people rarely ever win on their first election. And, uh, as I mentioned, the incumbent factor, the name recognition, it's so key to getting elected. So I, yeah, I, I broke through, um, myself and counselor Lucas both got elected, uh, new. And the thing is there was two counselors who, uh, didn't run again. One ran for mayor. Lisa helps ran okay. for mayor. So her council seat was vacant. Right. And then Shelly Gudgeon uh, decided not to run again. So that left two open seats and there was 30, about 30 candidates. And so you imagine most of us wow. are fighting for those two seats. Yeah. We, you know, I came fourth. So I, I did very well. And that's cause I had a team of a hundred volunteers and, you know, uh, backing of some influential people and, and organizations. And so, but the key was door knocking. Yeah. That's the key. It's face to face. It's saying, what do you, what do you want to see in the city? And hi, I'm a, you know, I'm a passionate local guy who wants to create change and here's what I've done in the past. And what are your ideas? Okay, let's do it. And so that was the approach we took in the election. And that's the approach taken to being a city councilor too. 
Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Cause people want to be listened to, right? That's the, one of the biggest things, right? They want to have someone to listen to. So yeah, knocking on doors is giving them that like, Oh, he really, he's, he's here. Yeah. He's right here. He's a real person. Right. And, yeah. And I think, you know, there's in people talk about the increasing value or, uh, of communicate online communications for politics and politicians, but nothing beats face to face. Well, that's, that's really funny how you say that, uh, or that you say that because, when I was talking to Ryan Steele, who I had on the previous two podcasts, um, he's telling me all the stuff that I don't know. And he's like, oh, yeah, the, there's the website for, <laughs> for the provincial government, right? And I'm like, yeah. and he's like, there's a lot of this on there. I'm like, there, I, it's, but sitting here talking to him, I'm learning it. I'm interested. Yeah. But sitting down and digging through it, it's like, ah. Where is it? Well, these websites are just giant, right? Where do you start? Yeah, exactly. So, and everyone needs an entrance point. And I think with, uh, one of my main things I've been trying to get done is, uh, get more young people through that gateway, through that, find that entryway to get more young people interested in their city. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of people who are passionate about politics, but they don't vote in civic elections. It's because they don't understand what the municipal government does. Right. Um, they don't know who to vote for. There's a list of 30 candidates. How do I know which one to choose? Maybe I vote for mayor, but I don't even choose counselors except for based on the names I've heard. Yeah. Uh, so in that way, it's like getting out and, and making sure that people know what we're doing. And so, so what would you say to someone who, well, someone like me, even though I'm not young, <laughs> the young person, but but someone who's trying to, yeah, like figure out where to go for the right information. Um, like if they're like, I want, I want to be part of how the city's I'd, progressing. I'd, I'd ask you what you're, what you're most passionate about. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm learning that. <laughs> yeah. But, but th I mean, cur currently, yeah. Like that the housing thing is, is freaking me out because I'm like, what if my landlords, my neighbors just got, um, it's a three, um, sweet home and all of them have to move because the, the owners are moving back in. Right. So I was like, if that happens to me, it's, it's really scary. Like, where am I going to go? Right. Um, so that's interesting, but where, where do they, like you said, you want to get people interested in it. The, the biggest part is making sure the city goes where people already are. Okay. So you can't like, so we've made city hall open to uh, public events, which I think is good. That allows people to come in and feel good about city hall. And you, it's, it's a public building. It should be your building, right? So it's not just, so your only experience going there isn't paying a parking ticket or paying your <laughs> property tax, right? It shouldn't just be when you're giving money over that you feel welcome in your city hall or when yeah. you're, or when you're angry about a development, right? So there needs to be more of a positive connection with the city as an organization. And I think, you know, one way to do that is to make sure the city is going where people are. We've got the youth engagement strategy. I've been, I worked with a group of youth and a city staff to put that together over eight months. And it was, it's the first time the city's ever had a youth strategy in a, a 150 years. Uh, to me, that blows my mind. Uh, why have we never put a concerted effort, strategic effort into engaging with youth? Mm -hmm. um, we, it's been listed as a value, something we want to do. And, you know, we've been doing it through community centers and through the pool. But now we've got, okay, here's the strategy. Here's how we actually do it. 
Here's how youth have told us we need to do it. And the key to that is saying, if you want to learn about how to build a skate park better, you go to the skate park. You don't ask the same leadership kid who's come to the, right. <laughs> who's come to all the youth leadership events, yeah. unless that kid's a skateboarder, right? So, right. uh, a lot of it's about going where people are and meeting them where they are and listening to them, uh, where they're at. That's huge. And it seems like going to the youth, uh, kind of seems like a no brainer, but there's a lot of no brainers that are happening lately. <laughs> um, because they're, if they learn about how the city's run then, or if they're around it, they see it happening. Then when they can vote and they're can be part of it all, then they know what's going on instead yeah. of coming at it. Like me 20 years later going, how does that? Well, it's good. You're go? doing it, but, <laughs> but exactly. So w- one of the things that they recommended is that the city work with the schools to create a a short curriculum that can be taught in schools about cities. Another no-brainer. You know, it's like, (laughs) okay, so, you know, they do these practice votes and things in class, but, you know, they they might not know that the city is responsible for, you know, what they do every day for providing the the skateboard park or the the youth leadership program or the pool or the community center. Yeah. I had no idea that the city did so much. I kind of thought a lot of that was par- provincial. Um, and some of it's in partnership, right? Yeah. Yeah. But of course, yeah, it, it just, Oh, I, I don't have time <laughs> to work anymore. I just got to <laughs> learn all this stuff. One way people can do it is just to come to city council meetings. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, come down to city hall and watch what happens and, there's a question period that no one ever takes up. So you, really? you can actually come to city council and ask mayor and council questions. And, uh, like last night at our council meeting, we didn't get a single question. We, most meetings we don't. So That's sad. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing where, uh, you know, you can, you can present to council every week and you can ask questions. You can't do both. It's an interesting, <laughs> our rules don't allow you to say something and then ask. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> it seems like the rules are there hoping that you have a lot of people wanting to talk. Yes. <laughs> and we do get lots of people who want to talk to us, oh. but not many people who ask us questions. seems like questions might, well, I don't know. I find that questions often, there's more info out of it because often when people are just saying something, it's something that, Everyone already knows. Yeah. And if you ask a question, we'll learn something new. Often. So, so that's one thing. Eh? Go to city council and ask a question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And those are, that's the every Thursday one thing? Thursday or, evening. It's every second Thursday evening. Second Thursday evening. Okay. Yeah. At city hall. So what was the public events thing at city hall that you were talking about? Uh, for example, you know how in movies you can go to city hall and get married? Okay. Uh, we, we, (laughs) that doesn't happen in real. (laughs) No, uh, it does in the States, but in, in Canada, the city isn't, uh, doesn't have commissioners of marriage, but, but we do, we, you could rent city hall now and get married. So we had our our first wedding there, uh, was two city staff actually really Really? nice. Yeah. Um, about a year and a half ago and myself and counselor also brought the motion forward to make city hall a public venue. Um, and so they created a public use policy for the, for the building. And, um, my goal, what I would like to see is that all city buildings are considered public buildings that can be used for public use. Um, there's, there's no reason, 
you know, we have a real venue shortage downtown and, mm-hmm. and throughout the city. And we have this space and let's see how people use it creatively. That's really interesting. And, and I mean, in a sense, it is everybody's. Yep. Because so why wouldn't... That's really cool. So not how is you live in a Squimalt? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I was actually going to say that. Like, if I show up at the at the the, the meetings, you'll be like, no, <laughs> got nothing to say. You can to ask us. questions. We might not answer them. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so that's a good point. So this is, I, I'm guessing, it's the same in all the other like Saanich, Squimalt, and View Royal, all that, right? Yeah. So I need to find out where it's all crosses over though <laughs> oh yeah and and regionally uh the issues are the same within the core for sure okay so you know esquimalt's its own municipality but you know you're you're a three minute walk to the border <laughs> well i i i'm a five or i'm a 10 minute walk to my work yeah and when i get there i'm in sandwich exactly <laughs> so yeah and you know, amalgamation is, is an interesting discussion. It's an interesting topic, but, uh, we looking at the regional issues, if we had a better functioning CRD regional district, Mm -hmm. we might be able to get a lot more done. Uh, but there's been entrenched interests there for a long time. And it sort of, uh, ended up being adversarial in a lot of things. And you are the, the folly of the sewage treatment plant is a good example of which, how how that doesn't work out. I don't know much about that, but well, <laughs> we could have had the same discussion 15 years ago, 20 yeah. years ago, and it would okay. have been similar, except for now things are finally moving. There is progress, but it took the province stepping in and saying, Hey, if you don't get your act together, we'll just do it for you. Oh, because the province has that authority. So sounds like they should have done it 10 years ago. I would have been very <laughs> supportive. Yeah. <laughs> so, how does that work with, so we've got the, the cities or the, or the municipalities and then the CRD. So how do, in our area on the island here, how does, what's the structure with that? So the CRD, for example, every, it's by population. So Esquimalt has the mayor sits on the CRD. Whereas in Victoria, we have the mayor and uh, three councillors sit on the CRD because okay. we've got more people. Saanich gets five representatives and it goes on and on and on uh, throughout all all the 13 municipalities. And then you have the area directors, which is so like the Wanda Fuca has a person, for example. Um, So you look at that and then everybody sits at the table and their governance structure is incredibly complicated. So on some things are weighted votes. So one person gets more votes than another person based on their population. Some, some things Mm. um, for example, if there's a service, say, you know, whatever it is, say it's leaf collection in the Juan de Fuca, uh, which isn't a real thing, I don't think. But <laughs> if, if it was, uh, they, they only the people who are part of that service can vote on that. But everyone's still at the table. They just can't vote. So it's really efficient. It's terribly <laughs> inefficient. <laughs> but but it, it works for some things like parks. The CRD parks is an amazing system. Um and they're saving lots of land and turning it into parkland and, and keeping some of our more rural communities green. And uh, I think that's tremendously important. And then there's other things where the CRD, I'm, I'm not on there. I'm a first alternate. So I go quite a bit filling in for people, but 
I feel like often when I go, we're having the same conversation we had last time I was there, like two months ago. And that could be infuriating. Yeah. When I'd fill in on the sewage committee, I would be like, I can't believe we're having the same argument. <laughs> like I, I'd go again a few months later. I'm like, Oh my God, this is happening again. It's groundhog day or something, but it, it finally, it finally did make progress, but it took the province stepping in. Wow. So it's, I'm more, I'm realizing more and more that it's, there's so many levels. There's like, it's really complicated how it's all put together, but it has to be really yeah. to, to really work for the people, right. To make it all accessible. And it freaks me out a bit how complicated it is, but then it also encourages me because I can see that now like the city and the municipalities are accessible, which is what I yeah. found out about MLAs too. Yeah. I was like, there's someone I can go talk to. Yeah. What? Um, so does the CRD, how often are those meetings again? Or- They're, uh, they meet every Wednesday, either not the board, but committees meet every Wednesday. And I think the board's every two Wednesdays. So there's, is there anyone who's like a, a like your city councilor? Is there anyone who's a, crd person or is it just it's only just made up of other people from yeah you're so in victoria it's elected so i'm i didn't really push hard to get on the crd but maybe if i'd got elected uh like so councillor isit for example is a he's a city councillor and a crd director i'm uh i'm a city councillor and an alternate crd director okay um so and i'm also a water commissioner you get these all sorts of titles but uh looking at that uh other places it's not democratic in a way like other uh jurisdictions they might it's just the mayor who goes okay even though the mayor may not have gotten the most votes might not be who the public wants to go but council would make that decision for themselves. Okay. And maybe it's just the mayor who makes that decision. Hmm. Um, so having a directly elected board uh, would probably help with sort of the, at least an, a perception of democratic deficit. Well, who runs the meetings then if there's no, there's a chair of okay. the CRD who is, is your mayor, mayor, okay. uh, mayor Desjardins is the chair of the CRD currently. Okay. And, uh, and that's, I'm guessing that the, it's, it's elected, it's elected by the board. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) That sounds like another whole, that's a whole other (laughs) show to get into there. Um, is there anything else you want to say specifically on city council stuff? Like, I'm sure we could go down a bunch of roads on city council, but yeah, I think just generally that, that, that covers sort of the nuts and bolts of it. Um, And, uh, you know, I think looking at, perhaps we can do another one of these talking about the policy issues, <laughs> getting oh, into boy. the nuts and bolts of what needs to happen. But yeah, definitely. But that'd be really interesting. the next municipal election is 2018 and, uh, it's next year. Yeah. So it's coming up. So how, how long do you guys, um, do your little dance? <laughs> the, the dance, <laughs> uh, usually like I noticed that last time it was sort of our election was November 15th, 2014. And and it, it seemed like it really picked up after Labor Day, like Labor Day weekend was, was sort of the, the unofficial kickoff for a lot of people. I'd been going for a while before that. 
So, well, in a sense, like, isn't kind of doing your job that in, <laughs> in a way for sure. Um, I wish it was less so. Yeah. I wish it was less, uh, in, in, in the way that some, sometimes, uh, city councilors grandstand in mm. order to get in the media, which is, you know, can be needed to get issues moving, but at the same time, it's not a, always the most helpful way to yeah. go about problem solving. But I mean, how, like you're talking about, like you go and talk to people a lot. It sounds like, yeah. right. Yeah. So if you spend your four years doing that, it's like your campaign has been almost four years, like, because they know who you are, they know you're doing stuff. And they, instead of just being like showing up before the election, be like, Oh, remember me? It's totally. And, uh, you know, unlike MLAs or MPs who a lot of what people think, you know, when they see the MLA in the community, like there's like, you know, my MLA is Carol James and she's well loved. And because she's been around in the community for decades doing community organizing, doing advocacy, being at this event and that event right. and everyone knows her and gives her a hug, you know, so she'll get elected again. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, you look at a new MP who doesn't maybe have that same community track record, uh, or MLA and it's their staff who are organizing the events. And so having good staff is so key because they'll be organizing the, the seniors forum, you know, or whatever the housing forum or, right. the, you know, forum at the end of door to door mail, you know, whatever that is. And, and that's so key for how they're seen in the community. Um, whereas with us, we don't have staff. So it's, it's really up to us to be out there and to be doing those things. It sounds exhausting. I gotta tell you, <laughs> but, but I guess the rewards are energizing. Yeah. Right. Like moving things forward has got to be. And like, I, you know, I could on a, any given day, I might have eight meetings that are totally different. And so I'm, you know, I'm learning all the time and yeah. that can't be taken for granted. Like how, how amazing that is that I make my own schedule. I decide what I'm going to work on. And I, you know, I mostly work on issues I'm passionate about. Right. So that, you know, that's an awesome privilege. So throw some of those issues out. Uh, if you want. Yeah. Uh, well, food security. So, so that, work. that means like making sure that we're, we're growing food locally. So both getting as a community building tool, but also as a tool to make sure people have uh, healthy food to eat. So that's, you know, if, well, as part of that, I'm on the urban food table, which is a coalition of, um, food growing groups, gardening okay. groups, and also, you know, making sure that we've got support for those groups coming from the city. And, you know, we're working to grow food in city parks, uh, things like that, right. changing our rules to allow people to sell food, um, that they've grown in their gardens in front of their house. So we just did that, got oh. new, you know, new support for community gardens in terms of grants, volunteer grants. And uh, making it easier to grow food on rooftops. So all sorts of things that we've done. So that's food security. Housing is huge. Right. That's one of the things I'm most passionate about and uh, have done the most work on for sure. And so we had our housing task force looking at garden suites, uh, secondary suites, changes to zoning, changing to bylaws <laughs> to make more housing be, be built. Um, and then one of the biggest wins was the CRD housing first initiative, which we, it's the first time we've had a real meaningful, 
uh, support from the whole region on the housing issue. So we've, we leveraged our $1 million in CRD housing money, uh, used that to borrow 30 million, which mm. the province matched. So now we have 60 million. Um, and we're really hopeful that money comes from the feds, which would give us $90 million leveraged from 1 million. And that 90, you know, that 60 or 90 million bucks is going to, uh, build hundreds of units for, of housing for people who need it most. So that sounds great. Yeah. So that was a big win. And mm-hmm. that, that came from our city council, uh, councilor, I the mayor and myself brought it forward and working with community groups to push it forward. And it was basically unanimous at the CRD. One person ran out right before the vote, which I, (laughs) (laughs) which I think was to avoid voting. No, because I, (laughs) because I think they were going to vote no, and they didn't want to do all the media being the one bad guy. Oh, that's an interesting strategy. Yeah. It's a weird one (laughs) to run out. (laughs) I haven't tried that one yet. Stand Uh, behind your (laughs) conviction. I can't take it anymore. I don't know. Right. When I vote no against things, like, you know. Well, it seems like if you're going to, you should be there to say why. Exactly. But- to, to me, when I know I'm going to vote no on something, it's not hard for me to stand up and have that conviction. What, when it, the decisions that are the most hard are the ones that are, it's usually land use and you've got a developments coming. You think, oh, it's pretty good the neighbors don't like it and it's not quite great. And which way do I go? And, uh, uh, and it's the ones where you could go either way and you've got to say, you know, when the time comes, either you vote yes or you vote no. And those are the tough ones. Right. Anytime I feel like strong conviction one way or another, like that, that's easy. I can stand up and fight for that. It's when it's like, there's these juggling different priorities and trying to balance that out. That's when I lose sleep. (laughs) That would be hard. Yeah. So usually that's not on a social justice issue, right? right? That's, right. that's not on something where, uh, you know, speaking out passionately for one group, like mm. to me that those are, that's what I'm, that's what I'm used to. That's where I come from. So, right. uh, it, yeah, it's more on the, the nitty gritty of, yeah. uh, land use that, that like keep me up at night. I'm like, Oh, did I make the right decision? <laughs> so, so where you came from, that's an uh, interesting thing when it comes to, your background for something like this. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, you know, I, I grew up in Victoria. I've, I've always been political since I was a teenager and, uh, grew up in a house with a, with a mom who's quite political. And so Mm -hmm. I, I, it was definitely ingrained in me. And, uh, I went to school for study poli sci and and history. And it was real, a lot of, a lot of activism in, at, Concordia University where I went on, on international issues and also, um, anti-corporate culture in a way. So corporate hegemony and and looking at how do we, uh, introduce fair trade and, and, uh, allow people to buy local and buy things that are ethically made, uh, that kind of, that kind of activism and then moved back here. And I worked in the nonprofit world, sort of heart and stroke foundation and worked with youth a lot. And then, I, I'm a spoken word poet. And so I also gained right. some recognition in the community through speaking out about issues that are, uh, sometimes hard to talk about and, and doing so in a passionate way. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that helped me in my election, 
Oh, I'm sure. There's few people who did more public speaking than me in the last decade in the city. Mm -hmm. So that's like in a way where you're making connections with people by, by talking at them, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And, uh, and then another way is through victorious voices, which is a youth program I run. Uh, it's our eighth year and it's, uh, the high school poetry slam festival in the city, Uh, April 18th to 20th. You should come April 18th to 20th. (laughs) That's coming up. It is. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting because, well, I guess there's, there's a lot of things that kind of coincide with politics. I mean, well, like there's your education, obviously, but like doing for working for nonprofits, is it the same kind of committees and talking to people? I'm just saying like, you didn't come completely out of nowhere. No. Um, although I think for a lot of the public, when I showed up yeah. at the doorstep, they felt I had. Well, yeah, that's like, <laughs> that's what, like, cause I met you, I think at the fringe or something. And then I yeah. first knew about you've spoken word poet. Right. Yeah. And then found out about the politics. I'm like, what? <laughs> so <laughs> a poet's going for, <laughs> going to be a city councilor. And I was going to vote for you until I realized I wasn't in Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't. Well, and that's that, and that was, I dealt with that a lot on the doorstep. Like, hmm. um, people, I had some people who were like, it's amazing. Of course I want to elect a poet, like yeah. creative problem solving. You speak from the heart. Like, this is exactly what I want an elected official that is always lacking. Yeah. And then there's other people who are like, I don't know, a poet. Yeah. Uh, and then for those people. show up for work. <laughs> <laughs> he makes his own schedule. What are, what are we, what are we going to do? Um, but for those people, I spent a lot of time highlighting my, you know, five years at the Heart and Stroke Foundation and my, I run a youth outreach program. Right. I, I spent a lot of time talking about all the things I do that are not poetry. Right. Um, and with them, it was really like, Hey, take a chance with me. Mm-hmm. I promise I'll be here. I promise I'll, I'm going to represent you well. Yeah. And, uh, every day I, I still try to do that. That's what we hope for. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm sure it's totally different than you thought it was going to be. But what are the things that are different in the job that you didn't expect or hmm. like different struggles or different fun things or I don't know. I guess. I mean, one of the things is what we talked about earlier is just the that we make our own job description. Mm. So I'd say in my first year, I I did things a lot. Like I, I followed the lead of, of one of my fellow colleagues in a way, okay. counselor. I said, because, uh, he was the one sort of showing me, uh, this right. is what we do. And now I really feel like I've got my own feet and I do, I do it my own way. We're very different humans, mm-hmm. uh, similar politics on, on provincial and federal issues. Um, and in sort of similar worldview, but how we are with people, I think is quite different and how our strengths. And so you, you know, when you're creating your own job position, uh, your own job description, you play to your strengths and, and you try to build on your weaknesses. And for me, that means a lot of going out and listening and, and being with people and, and hearing from them and, and then trying to be a strong advocate uh, to f- fix those issues. So I was surprised that there's no real framework for how to do the job. And it, it took a little while to get my feet under me and figure out how best for me to do the job. Yeah. Cause it doesn't look like anybody else. Yeah. And then well, probably to feel confident that you're allowed to change it for be sure. Different for sure. And council, one of my biggest issues 
sort of in the internal dynamics of council has been, uh, it's a bit territorial and the people who have been doing things, uh, that, you know, that we don't have those files, but maybe there's a file that you're passionate about and maybe I'm new on council and I'm passionate about it too. And I want to help. I want to be a part of that, but there's sort of this hunkering away of, of that file of that issue. And when I, so we could have more collaboration there. And I think, um, I've, I've tried to introduce some things at council that would help us share more, about what we're working on the community, uh, so far they've kind of flopped. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll keep thinking of ideas. I keep highlighting it as something we need to work on better as a city council. Um, and, uh, we'll get there, but, um, one thing I was wondering going into this election, how does the provincial government influence you guys? Well, we are, uh, we are an instrument of the provincial government. So cities draw our authority through, uh, act of province through the community charter. So all of the things that we have power to do come from the province, um, how they influence us on a day-to-day basis. And sadly, a lot of it is through downloading. So doing the things that the province isn't doing that haven't been traditionally the city's role Mm -hmm. that we have to do housing is not a municipal jurisdiction. Uh, yet we spend a lot of our time talking about housing and how to fix the housing crisis in our city. And that's because we haven't had meaningful action from the federal government in 30 years. And the province, I think, has been... Uh, they, they've been putting some money in, but I think they could do a lot more. And uh, that leaves us with a huge gap and that we're left trying to fill. I think that's that's one of the main ways they influence what how we spend our time so is that something to do with like the mlas and how they're doing their work or like it's it's how the government do what what the the provincial government is choosing to prioritize okay and they're not choosing to prioritize uh working uh working people's housing or housing for people who are poor that hasn't been on their radar or uh, top of their agenda for the last 16 years they've been in power. So I think ho- whoever gets elected, I hope there's a real strong commitment uh, to housing in a very meaningful way. Okay. That's good to know. Cause that's one thing I was wondering is how, how is who we're going to elect affect us directly in our city? So yeah. that's where you're saying like someone, the ones that focusing on, focusing on housing would be very helpful for, for sure. And you know, the, the province, I, I don't want to throw them completely under the bus. They've been a good partner, um, on, on the housing file in the last year or two. Um, okay. but at the same time, I, I just fundamentally think we could do a lot more mm-hmm. and I don't think it should be up to the city to do it. I, you know, if you look at the, con- how it's broken down, uh, in terms of how the different levels of government have authority over housing. It's, it's supposed to be a split between the federal government and the provincial government. Okay. And so, and yet cities are, are focused on it tremendously. Um, so I think in that way, yeah, like talking about that, asking your MLAs directly and looking at the, the policies on their website and also just their track records. Okay. Uh, people say a lot of things in elections. <laughs> Would it be beneficial for people to go to like the city council meetings with being around you guys more help? us with the provincial election i'm just trying to figure out where i need to spend my time yeah <laughs> like to, 
you know, the, the city, for example, is holding a, a listening session with uh, anyone who wants to become an MLA. And it's in partnership with the Chamber of Commerce and Tourism and the GVHA and all of those groups together coming together and saying, these are our biggest priorities for the okay. election. And uh, housing is the number one priority. Okay. Just without a doubt. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that we need to, whatever government's elected needs to say, here's, here's the plan to build, you know, thousands and thousands of non-market housing units over the next four years. And it's not like in the next 30 years, we'll implement. And it's like, no, yeah. you're, you're not going to be in power for 30 years. So <laughs> tell me what you're going to do now and do it. That's, that's a really good point. Yeah. Obviously we need long-term planning, but, well, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, yeah, definitely. If, if, if something needs to be addressed, you want it to be addressed and, you know, not a, a hope for the future, but there's some issues we don't happen. need to study. Right. <laughs> there's yeah. some issues we don't need another committee for. Right. And we, we know what, you know, housing is supply and demand and there's more demand than there's supply. And most people can't afford what is being supplied. So we need to supply new non-market housing. I think it's a really simple it's, equation. Right. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the province, what, what kind of things do you think need to change? I don't know what's going on, like I said. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing for me right now is the gap between how much money people have and how much it costs to live. And so you okay. can, you can fix that in, in a number of ways. You can make it cheaper to live, which is very hard to do, or you can make sure people have more money. So raising minimum wage, raising shelter rates, raising, uh, you know, the disability allowance, all of those things to allow that to catch up a little bit to the cost of living, that would be key. And then you also, on the cost of living side, you make sure that you have affordable housing to people for people to live in. All of a sudden, you know, after, after all of that comes in, you're starting to get an equation where people can start to afford to live in a way that isn't just survival. Mm -hmm. And that's really the biggest issue we're facing in, in our city. And I think in most cities across the province, um, you know, the other side of that is economic development. So how would you make sure you have good, good jobs that are, uh, that actually pay well, that aren't precarious. Um, you're not thinking about, am I going to lose my job next week? Um, so, you know, in the past unions have, have really played that role. And, and so looking, you know, I'm always looking to the, the union movement to see what's, what's next, what can, what can they offer in terms of moving into this, this 21st century in a way that's, um, opening up new doors for more workers. And, and I think that has to be looked at and, you know, we've looked at the tech sector, which is, which is booming. So how do you support that? How do you make sure that the wealth that's coming from that doesn't distort the right. cost of living in the city where we are? Um, you know, and then there's all of the issues with the environment that are huge. So, you know, we've got pretty stark contrast between the parties on, uh, pipelines, for example, okay. um, you know, most residents here don't want to see more oil tankers off our shores. Yeah. Uh, it'd be disastrous. Mm -hmm. So that that's a big issue. Um, and then things like, you know, like our forests, you know, there's, there's ways to do things sustainably and we just haven't been doing it. So how do we look at the future of, of these uh, industries right? and how do we operate them in a way that isn't uh, sort of one generation thinking that's thinking, 
long term so that we have these same uh, industries in the future and we have an environment that's worth protecting still. And so, you know, right now we're shipping raw logs overseas. Why are we doing that? Why aren't we cutting them here? Uh, you know, saving the old growth, cutting second and third growth forest and manufacturing things here. Yeah. It just makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, they're probably paying a lot. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> just simple, which is the problem. All right. Yeah. Well, they probably don't pay that much. That's the thing. Because oh, really? they're, they're just buying cheap logs that are being sent to China where they build stuff there. So it's cheaper to build stuff there. Um, oh, it's all messed up. But we make, messed up. but our economy would be a lot stronger if we were doing it all here. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Does voting change this stuff? Does, does, cause there's people that think what's the point, right? It doesn't matter who's in power. It's all going to, it's not going to matter. So what do you say to those people or people that, think it's too much work to figure it out or all that kind of thing how do you get people to vote care well first people have to trust that the system works and one thing we could do is is ban big money from politics so making sure that Mm. all corporate donations all uh developer donations especially with this hot housing market and uh union donations are are blocked and once we do that, and we that instills a lot more credit back in our democracy, you know, our there's been a lot of really fishy things that this province uh, provincial government has done mm-hmm. um, in terms of who's getting contracts after giving donations. Oh, okay, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of donations from Kinder Morgan, and then they approve the pipeline. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks, and I think you know you could stop those question marks and re-instill some trust by simply banning those big money donations and banning large individual donations as well. Uh, I'd go as far as saying that we need, uh, you know, publicly funded campaigns uh, so that people are on even footing. And, you know, you look at that and I think that that, that would go a long way. And then the other point is that I I believe democracy doesn't end on election day. Mm -hmm. And so you need to hold your elected representatives accountable. And so that means that even if it's hard work, uh, holding their feet to the fire, if they said one thing, make sure they do it. And, uh, that's a really good point. Yeah. So, you know, my job, I get elected every four years. So I've, I'm two and a half years in, I haven't had a report card. I haven't had a a meeting with my boss, you know, telling me how I'm doing. Hmm. I only know that because I go out and talk to people. And even then you can get in within a bubble. Um, yeah, well, yeah. I want to feel good today. I'm going to go talk to them where I know that they'll support me. Exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and some people always tell you what they think, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but in that way, like I think, you know, squeaky wheels get the grease, especially at the municipal level. Yeah. And so being active and engaged and, and, and yeah, holding, holding the politicians feet to the fire. I think that's how you make democracy work continually, not just every four years, but having a, and the government can bring that on by having more of a direct democracy, more of engaged decision-making, uh, delegating decisions to the public in, in some forums. So it is worth it. It's definitely (laughs) worth it. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to touch on or probably good to wrap it up there before I get too confused? (laughs) Yeah. I'll just say the cost of not doing it yeah is having no say 
and no, no influence. And right now, you know, the, the people with money and power will continue to have money and power and they'll continue to have all of the influence. If people don't, uh, assert the influence they have during elections and, and throughout the electoral cycles. That's a good thing to end on. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, thank you very much. And I, sh- I should have said Councillor Loveday, I guess. Eh? That's how you're <laughs> Water introduced. Commissioner Loveday. Water, <laughs> Water <laughs> Commissioner. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'd love to do a, an, another one and we can talk about policies, whatever that's all about. Sometime you can teach me about that. Great. Well, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode with Victoria City Councillor Jeremy Loveday. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new and useful once again. Be sure to check out his spoken word on YouTube as well. His poetry is full of inspiration and insight. It's truly great stuff. In coming episodes, I hope to be talking with a few MLA candidates for this BC election coming up. I want to try and dig in and uh, get some first-hand information on what's going on to help shine some light on the coming election and the parties involved. So you can stop by the blog at www.governthis.ca. There's show notes there, ways that you can support us. Uh, we hope you leave a comment or a question, maybe even a topic that you'd like covered in future episode. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash govern this. Our Twitter account is at we govern this. And our email is we at govern If you like what you heard and you think it's important, please share this with as many people as you can who might be interested in learning about what's going on in the government here in Canada. Hopefully we can all become a little more aware and involved. So until next time, stay curious.